Welcome to Work From The Inside Out, a podcast that highlights real-life stories, practical strategies, and best practices for transitioning your career from unhappiness and dissatisfaction to fulfillment, meaning, and joy. Now here is your host, career and executive coach, Tammy Guler loeb Hey, everybody. I am so excited to introduce my guest today, Michael Zapersky. Michael is the CEO of Consulting Success and Coach to Consultants. He has advised organizations like Financial Times, Dow Jones, RBC, and helped Panasonic launch new products into global markets. But more importantly, he's helped over 400 consultants from around the world in over 75 industries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. Over 35,000 consultants read his weekly consulting newsletter. Michael is also the author of the Amazon bestsellers, Act Now, How Successful Consultants Thrive During Chaos and Uncertainty, The Elite Consulting Mind, and Consulting Success, the book. Please join me in welcoming Michael Zapersky. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Tommy, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us from um, from Vancouver, British Columbia. That is where I am at the moment. That's right. Yes, that's right. And we know you could be anywhere, although we are recording this during the uh, COVID pandemic. So, um, But I know that you have spent a tremendous amount of time in Japan. Um, so who knows where you could be by the time we air this? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I do like <laughs> to travel the world as much as I can with, with my family. And with two young ones, it, it does make it a little bit more challenging, but uh, we still always like to do that. Right now, we're not really able to, so we're spending quite a few weekends um, you know, exploring our, our beautiful scenery around here. It is. Uh, it's a beautiful area. It is, yeah. I love it. I've been, I've been there. It's delightful. So, Michael, you know... Work from the inside out. Um, we like to talk with people about all the different decisions and choices and journeys they've been on in their careers. And I know that you have been on lots of journeys in your life. And um, take us back to some of the earlier years. Tell us about some of your roots in relationship to work and, and career. Uh, well, this is a it's a big question, right? Because it's always how far back do do we want to go? And I know you were asking uh, before you hit record, what did I want to be when I was young and all, all that. Kind of <laughs> stuff. So, um, yeah, I was I was born in Toronto at the age of two. Uh, my parents took my sister and I and transplanted us, you know, to Israel. And so um, I spent the next four and a half years growing up uh, in in Israel, uh, actually in the north of Israel. Uh, very clo- close to the the Syrian and Jordanian borders. Wow! Uh, but I was very that had a big even though I was quite young, you know, it had a big influence on me because I remember being surrounded by a lot of different types of people, different languages, different cultures. Um, just you know, it was a very interesting place to to grow up. And the place where I grew up was actually it, it was a, a kibbutz. It's almost like a, some people call it like a socialist, you know, community. Mm-hmm. Uh, where no one really owns anything, uh, everyone shares things, and so uh, my my father spent half of the week being a doctor at a at a hospital, 
the other half of the week he spent planting bananas and uh, and working with the cows. And so uh, it was a very interesting place to to grow up. It's changed tremendously now or in recent years. But when we moved back to Canada, uh, this time to Vancouver, when I was about six and a half years old, <clears throat> I remember you know, being surrounded by, again, many different people from different countries and, and cultures and, and many languages. Uh, and for me, that felt normal to a degree, but I also felt like an outsider. Uh, I didn't speak English. English is my second language. No one would know that now because I came at such a young age, but uh, I certainly had to um, work hard to learn the language and have a tutor. And uh, I just didn't feel like I fit in when I came came back to Canada. Uh, and, and I think that really sparked kind of the the early mindset for me of uh, of competition of kind of doing what I need to do to to stand out or to prove myself mm. because I felt like an outsider and w- the way that I channeled that early on was through sports so from you know a, a very young age until about probably 17 years of age sports was my life and I, I played soccer and baseball and track and field and rugby. I did martial arts, uh, multiple kinds. And so it was just everything I did was was sports, um, which was great. And I think, you know, I learned a lot of lessons playing sports and doing team sports and uh, leading a team and, and playing at a very competitive level uh, and being, you know, good at it. Uh, but I think what it also taught me was that when you set your mind to something that, uh, as long as you're truly committed to it, there's no reason why you can't achieve that. And so, uh, you know, I, I applied that in when I was in college. I was told that I went into a, the program I went into was called uh, Asian Pacific, actually, it's called Pacific Rim Business Studies. Right. And I was told in that program that here are the exact courses you need to take, you know, this is part of the, the curriculum. But what was interesting to me was there was many courses that weren't accessible as part of that program, but I thought were really important. For example, like international law or marketing. Um, there wasn't that much opportunity to learn about business, even though that was part of the program, but I felt it was really important. And I was told by the head of that program that, no, this is the way it's set. We have this for a reason. And I said, well, but I really want to do these other classes. You know, I think this is important for me. And he said, well, listen, if you are really interested in this, write a, you know, write a letter, like, essentially make your case as to why you feel this is important for you. Uh, and so I did. I went home. I talked to my my mom who helped me because I was not a great writer. Um, in fact, I didn't actually read a whole book until probably grade 10 or 11. Wow. Um, yeah, I did not read a book. I got through school on Cole's Notes. If you aren't familiar with that, it's like a summary version of a book. Mm. Um, I did all kinds of things, you know, let your imagination run wild. To, to get through class, but I, I did get through. It just wasn't my thing. I went from sitting at the back of the class in every single class uh, to sitting first row of the class. And that only happened around grade 10 or 11. And I, I'll come back to the story here in a, in a moment about um, this co- college, but that transition, that kind of turning point for me happened because I went when I was uh, 14, 15 years old to Thailand with my father and stepmother and my my mind just got blown with culture shock in a, in a positive way. But I was like, whoa, the world is huge again. So this international theme kept running through. And then when I was 15 and a half or 16 years old, I convinced my parents to allow me to go uh, back to Southeast Asia with my cousin, Sam, who's a few years older than I am, just the two of us. Oh, my uh, goodness. 
Yes. And so I was like putting my negotiation and persuasion skills to use even at a young age. Uh, and my parents, you know, to, to their credit, allowed me to go. What they didn't know is that from the beginning, we weren't actually planning to go back to Thailand, which is where I had been with my, my father and stepmother. Uh, we really wanted to go to Vietnam. And so we went to Vietnam. We spent uh, over a month there just exploring. So I was, you know, the 16-year-old kid, uh, maybe even 15 and a half or something. And just, you know, my mind, again, expanded uh, so many learning experiences from that. But I, I took this back now. So now kind of back to my college years. And so I wrote this um, this statement or this letter and they ended up changing the program. And not only did it benefit me, but one of my good friends, he also jumped on the bandwagon. And so he got to now benefit from this new opportunity. And so this is just one thing that in my early years, uh, I've been able to pull through and I've really seen the benefit. And I believe it's, it's accessible to everyone out there, which is it doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is. I know certain people have much more challenging circumstances, but I would say for the vast majority of people listening to this right now, yeah. if you truly set your mind to something, then uh, then you you will achieve it if you consistently work towards it and you really are committed. If you don't look for excuses, but you look for reasons why it can happen and why you can make it happen. Uh, so that was my experience. I did a I actually started to work really hard in my last couple of years in high school to that point uh, to grade 10. I didn't, as I said, nothing. I read nothing. I was only doing sports. That was my life. But from grade, I think halfway through grade 10, the kind of the flip got switched. Grade 11 and grade 12, I really started to study hard from the back of the class to the front of the class. Uh, and then when I entered into college, same thing, front of the class, studying, uh, didn't really feel like I wanted to be there. I never really enjoyed school, but and you was kind of part of the process. And I studied so so hard that uh, I I won a scholarship, which allowed me to actually go to Japan for one summer. Uh, and so I spent a summer in Japan uh, and I learned Japanese. I'd been studying it already, uh, began in high school, but really took off when I went to Japan for that summer. Did a little internship there for a Japanese company through some connections that I had. Came back. And one thing which actually I did not mention is during the time, uh, kind of the summer between high school and university is when I started my first real business. Oh. Uh, and I did that with, with my cousin, Sam. Uh, it was a web design development company. We called it Fingertip Media. Uh, and it was a great experience. We're, we worked with all kinds of businesses from bagel shops to law firms to printing companies uh, to you know other professional services firms. And it really gave us... Uh, a great experience firsthand. You know, I had been reading at that point a lot more about business and marketing and seeing opportunities, but it was really the application of those ideas, um, you know, that we we had that that kind of that chance uh, through our own business. And it was a great experience. We ended up then building another company a few years later, that one called Kanke Culture. Kanke is the Japanese word for relationship. So it was essentially relationship culture. And that was the business that uh, when I was halfway through my university, transitioning from actually from a two-year college into a four-year university program, I went to Japan and I did that as an exchange student for my third year. And while I was there, I was still running uh, Kanke Culture with Sam, and I ended up opening up, a, you know, essentially a branch office for our company in Japan. Uh, and so that was a really amazing opportunity to be a young twenty-something-year-old working with 
you know, multi-million and billion dollar organizations, um, helping them with their communications and their design and branding for the English language marketplace, because that's, that was our advantage. That was what we knew. That's what kind of what we could offer. Uh, and so fast forward to today, and then you're welcome, Tammy, to bring me back and tell me, because I'm sure I've, there's maybe, might be other things that oh, no, yeah, you want to cover, but. Well, you're, you're giving a lot of good detail here, actually. Usually I stop people and I say, wait, take us back to this. But you're, gi- you're giving a lot of good detail. So, yeah, go. So you, so you were in your 20s, still in college and opening up shop in Japan. <laughs> yeah. And one other thing that I, you know, I know you reminded me of before we hit record as well is when we talked previously, um, you know, my, my family my parents are not entrepreneurs. Um, my father was a doctor. My mother was a speech language therapist. Um, uh, my stepmother uh, was an occupational therapist. And my stepfather, he was the entrepreneur. Uh, he came from the Bronx and he was always involved in business. And he actually had a, some quite a bit of time that he spent in Japan. And we used to kind of talk about that. He told me all kinds of stories. But um, you know, he ran a commercial electronics business uh, in Vancouver. He actually was involved in multiple businesses over the years, but uh, I got a lot of my early experience working at his store, doing just whatever, you know, moving boxes, um, helping when customers came in. And and I don't know, you know, deep down inside, like how much that influenced my, my path. My grandfather was a butcher. Um, so he, he had his own business, but aside from that, there isn't a huge entrepreneur kind of you know, bloodline that that, that I know of. Uh, everyone kind of goes their their own ways. Uh, but that experience working with with Barry, who's my stepfather, was was really interesting. And, I, and I'm sure that it did influence me in in, in some regards. In, in fact, I remember one thing happened that uh, Barry said to me one one year when I was probably entering college or uh, maybe second year of college. He said, "Michael." you know, why don't you come work with me? And I'll never forget because he made me an offer that financially was way more money than I'd ever made in my life. And I was, yeah. I said no to him because I think I just saw things that I wanted to do and that wasn't really aligned with what he was doing. But the fact that he he valued what I was contributing or what I potentially could contribute, I think helped me with my confidence uh, and and kind of gave me a little bit of like a kick, like, hey, you know, there's 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 a lot out there that you can make happen. Uh, and so I didn't go down that, that path, but uh, I did, I know this is a career related podcast, so I, I would be remiss in not sharing that uh, I did think about getting a job and not being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, I had actually worked in a couple of odd jobs. You know, I sold Cutco knives at one point, which I guess is a bit more entrepreneurial, but I, I a also A very worked, good knife. It, yeah, it is a very good knife. You know, that's actually <laughs> one thing I took from that experience that I realized the reason why I was successful in that is because I believed in it. Like it was a really mm. good product. And I, there's no way that I could go into people's houses that were some way connected to someone that I knew and mm. offer them something that would not be good for them. And so it, it made that job actually quite easy because it was a great product and people really enjoyed it. And then they referred. But back to the story. So I um, I really was interested in Japan and in Asia and business and so I, I thought, you know, I'd love to work for a large Japanese trading house, like one of the, you know, Sumitomo's or Mitsubishi's or Mitsui and companies. These yeah. are, you know, multi-billion dollar organizations that have tentacles that go out into all different industries. Uh, and I think I applied for one or two and I was turned down, um, which looking back was fantastic because 
if I would have gone down that path, like who knows where I'd be today. And it's not that and there's anything wrong with those, but I think I wasn't truly committed to that. Like it was a nice idea. I was excited by it. I probably had seen some movies or read some books at that point where like, wow, this would be really, you know, what a life, like traveling all around and meeting people and doing deals. And it still kind of sounds interesting, but the reason why I think, well, what's the difference between that experience where you got turned down and then you didn't keep pushing forward. And a lot of other things in my life where I've also been kind of knocked down or, or had a challenge, but I kept going was that I wasn't truly committed to that. And with my own businesses over the years, that I've always been committed to them. I've, I've only started businesses, maybe except for, for one, um, where I was not truly, truly committed. And therefore, there's never been a business or never been an, an overall experience that has not been successful. And I think that's because I've never, I've, I'm not looking for reasons for something not to work. Uh, when, when it's a challenge, I always go, okay, well, let's figure out how to make this work. And I've been fortunate that, you know, we've had uh, my cousin Sam is still my business partner today at Consulting Success. And we've worked in probably five, six different businesses over the years. We've sold a couple of businesses together. Like we've we've had those experiences. And so that's also been, been really beneficial. But um, in just maybe kind of finishing a bit of the story here, and then we can dive back and feel free, Tommy, to to go as deep as you want to any of these parts. I will. I'm, re- I'm almost okay. ready, but keep Yeah, please. And feel free to stop me at any time because I don't want to ramble on here. I want to make sure I'm providing- You are. Uh, value value for your audience and community here. But so I was in Japan, uh, spent a year there on exchange running business. And my schedule was uh, very interesting. I would wake up in the morning very early, I think maybe five or 6 a.m. Uh, I would jump on a train, which took me about 40 minutes because I was going from, from Osaka in, into Hyogo, which is a different prefecture. Um, and then I'd walk from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill at the school because I didn't really have much much money. I didn't want to spend it on a bus. I was very you know cheap and uh, just doing what I could to you know to be lean. And uh, and I'd get to this to the university before teachers even arrived. I'd go into the classroom and I would do my homework, which I should have done the previous night. But I didn't do it the previous night because every day at noon I would finish university. I would run down the hill, uh, and this is even when it's you know. 90 something degrees uh, and, and hot <laughs> US listeners or for the rest of the world, it's like, you know, 30 degrees, it's quite warm. Uh, I'd be sweating. I'd go to McDonald's and I'd get a, a couple of single hamburgers and a glass of water because I didn't want to spend any more money than that. Right. Um, you know, and then I'd hop the train. I'd go to downtown Osaka. I worked um, for part-time for a market research company where I'd spend probably from like, you know, one or one or one thirty p.m. Till about 7 p.m. each day, I'd get back on the train, go back home. I'd get some groceries. I'd go, you know, go to my little apartment, which looked like a jail cell. And uh, <laughs> I always say to my my wife, who was my my girlfriend at that time, she actually found me in the apartment. I was I was joke with her about that because if I stood up and put my hands out, you know, side to side, I felt like I could almost touch the walls. Uh, but yeah, so I would come back, I'd make dinner, and then I would work on our actual business. And so this is where we're doing client work. And I would do that till about midnight or so. And then I'd go to sleep and wake up and, and rinse and repeat. And so that was kind of my, my daily hustle, right? Of, of really working on multiple things, building things up, getting these experiences. I finished that one year of exchange in Japan. I came back, which I wasn't actually excited to do because the business was really starting to take off. I yeah. remember calling both, both my parents and saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about maybe not coming back. What do you guys think? And they both said the same thing, which is I think probably what most parents would say, which is no, no, you should come back and finish your degree. I was like, well, I mean, you guys are 
probably a little bit wiser than I am. Maybe, maybe there's something in that. Um, and, you know, I don't know why I did. I think part of it was they said, listen, you can get your degree. You can always go back. Um, I'm sure other parents could have said you could just stay and you can finish your degree later on. Anyways, I came back because that's what I ended up deciding to do. And I finished my degree. I did not want to be at school um, for one day. I want to get back out and see the world. I was studying about economics and marketing and all these other courses, which I was thinking, you know, I just want to implement this in the real world, not, not through theory. So as soon as I finished the degree, I got right back onto the airplane, went back to Japan, spent the next five to six years there building up that business, uh, working with, with amazing companies. The interesting thing of that is, uh, and I actually haven't thought about this very often, but some of the companies that I wanted to work for, um, like Sumitomo and a whole bunch of others, actually ended up becoming clients of ours uh, many years later. And so yeah, I did that for about five, six years, came back to North America, uh, started another consulting firm. Uh, Sam and I kind of went separate ways for a little bit, uh, built that up. And then we were at a family barbecue one summer. We said, you know what? It's been a little while since we've done something together. Why don't we do something again? But this time, let's do it online because we both love the idea of travel and being able to work from anywhere. And so we created what became consulting success. Um, and we started off just to for it to be as a place where we would share our experiences of building consulting businesses and being consultants. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, stories from the trenches, just really what what we had learned in the hopes that it would benefit others. And we really built up a community around that. And people said to us, hey, this is you know great articles and content you're putting out. Do you have a course to help us to become successful consultants like you've done? And we said, no, but we'll build it. And so we right. did. And that went well. And then people said, hey, this is a great course, but can we work like more closely with you or get some coaching or support? We said, well, we don't really offer that, but okay, we'll, we'll put something together. And so we did. And so fast forward now, we've been running consulting success for about 11 years. Uh, we've had several thousand consultants go through our trainings. Uh, we've had, I think now it's almost about 500 consultants go through our, uh, our coaching program. Uh, and it's been, it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun where we focus on really helping people go from the corporate world to becoming successful consultants. And those that are already consulting for some time, but want to get to that next level, uh, we work with them with you know customized plans and trainings to really help them to to achieve greater success. So that's kind of the the story in uh, not so much of a nutshell, but hopefully <laughs> well, no, it's a great nutshell. You did a great job with that. I I I usually do interrupt people sooner, but I, I thought you were doing so well. I didn't want to stop you, but you know, Michael, what I I mean, I'm so intrigued by everything that you've done and the um, there's like an there's like a an undercurrent or a wave underneath everything you've done. You when you talk about how you were a kid and you were into sports, it's like you put everything you had into it. And then, you know, and then there was a turning point. You were 14 or 15 and you had this opportunity to go on this trip with your with your dad and your stepmom uh to Thailand. And that, although, although the you you already had some introduction to different cultures, even as a very young child living in Israel, and then coming back to Canada and realizing you felt different, but you also had already started, it sounds like, to appreciate different cultures. Um, but it sounds like it wasn't until that trip to Thailand that you really took a deeper interest in Southeast Asian culture, would you say? Or was it, or, or was it, it was earlier than that though, through your stepdad? 
Yeah, he, I mean, no, it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much that, uh, through through Barry at that time because you know he had just kind of told me some stories. Oh, I, I had become very interested in in Asia uh, as a young kid, you know, coming back to North America because anyone that knows Vancouver knows oh, that right. very heavy Asian population. When I was right. in high school, I remember you know, it was like my locker and a, and a sea of kids from Taiwan and, and oh, Hong Kong okay. and China. Um, and it, for me, it was great. I was like, I just love that, you know, being surrounded by all different kinds of people. But yeah, that, that trip to Thailand, there was something about it. it. was It was my first time really spending time in quote unquote, you know, proper Asia. Um, and I remember we stopped, we did a transit through Japan, going to, to, to Bangkok. Uh, and it just, something about it really, really resonated with me. And what was interesting to me is that my mind, when I came back from that trip, it completely switched from being focused on sports yeah. to focused on arts. And so I got into, into music, into poetry, into, you know, uh, into writing and, and reading. Whereas before I was, I would never touch any of that stuff. I appreciate music. I like music. I listened to it, but I didn't actually start playing music before I was just only doing sports. So there was some something that happened on that trip that was a turning point for me. Like almost like a light switch went on and off, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I th- it, I, it's a hard one to, to pinpoint, but I think yeah. if I was to really just express what comes to mind or to kind of top of mind, yeah. it was how, how expansive the world is and yeah. just how much, you know, wisdom there there's out there. Uh, I remember I came back and as a, um, as a high school student, I started growing a very long beard, like out of the blue uh-huh. Uh-huh. and people were like, who is this guy? You know, he was yeah. a kid. I think I was the only kid in my high school that, that, that had that, but like something just changed in me yeah. and it took, that really took hold and, and guided my, uh, yeah. my steps forward. Well, you know, I, I mean, the other thing that may have been going on at the time, and this is I'm reflecting on something my mother used to say to me. She used to say when I turned 15, that there was like a light switch that, that changed. Like there was just something in me that changed it. Now with you, it sounded very interesting with me. It wasn't necessarily as interesting, but that's a whole nother story. But, but, you know, I think also when you're an adolescent there, there, there is that point where some kids at a certain age, just something just changes, you know? Um, And, and fortunately for you, it wasn't getting into, you know, some of the things that some kids get into, um, or at least you're not telling us that part. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I like, in all honesty, I had, I certainly had moments when when we came back from Israel, my parents got divorced. And so not only did I feel like an outsider, my, my family was kind of, you know, split and pulled in, in two. Um, And so I, yeah, I think there's a lot of challenges that I was dealing with. Everyone's challenges are different, but um, I, I needed to find a place to channel my, my anger. And I certainly yeah. had anger when I was young, yeah. um, but I channeled it into, into sports, into mm. martial arts, mm-hmm. into this, this mindset of, you know, of competition, not where you knock people down and laugh at them, but rather how you can help to bring people up, uh, and, and all kind of rise up together. Yeah. Wow. And you did it with real intent and focus. It sounds like, um, real intensity. And then, and then the following year, you went on the trip with Sam. You, I'm still trying to figure out how you pulled this off. You told your family you were going to Thailand, but you really went to Vietnam. Yeah, I mean that was the easy part. The, the hard part was who bought just, the ticket. 
<laughs> uh, we we did. Yeah, they, oh. they didn't see any of that. Yeah, I mean, I, wow. I worked. So we didn't really hit on these, but I worked all kinds of jobs, uh-huh. um, you know, to to make money. My uh-huh. parents did not give give me the money to go on that trip. Uh-huh. I was I was working in a in a lighting warehouse, moving boxes, even though I had an allergy to dust mite. Um, I. <laughs> I laid, uh, sod, like, you know, big, big, um, uh, peat, like what do you call them? Rolls of grass. Oh yeah. So, yeah. 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 So I did that in Vancouver when it's pouring with rain and muddy everywhere. Um, you know, I, I did all kinds of, of odd jobs to make money. And one of the ways that I actually found that, that specific landscaping job, it was for a company called English lawns. Uh, I just, I opened up the, the yellow pages. Remember, some people might remember that, that big book, right? With yeah. Business yeah. Side. And I just started calling and said, hey, are you hiring? Are you hiring? Are you hiring? Are you hiring? And finally, one said yes. And that, that's how I got that job. And and you got the job so that you could make money to take the trip? Or did you just want to make money? No, to, to travel, specifically oh, okay. to travel. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So um, and so now I'm I'm thinking about the the drive to travel at that age. Yeah. And, um, and then you talked about that you really hadn't really opened up a book until you were what age? So it was grade. I did not read a book until grade 10. So you were probably about the same age that you went off it to. It was right, right around that time. Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't remember. It's a good point. I'm not sure if it was when I came back from that trip or just before, but I'll, I'll never forget that there's two books that I read and I can't remember which was the first. I think it may have been Godfather was the first book I ever read. And oh. the, the next, the next one was Shogun, which is, you know, James Clavel. Right. Uh, these are both books that are, you know, 500 to 700, 800 pages long. Yeah. And I remember going thinking to myself, like, this is so interesting that I've never read a book, you know, forget even a hundred pages. <laughs> Somehow I just dove in and started to read a four or 500, you know, plus page book, but I really got into them and, um, and I loved it. You know, uh, Michael, I don't know you that well, but somehow I'm just not all that shocked um, <laughs> because I just get the feeling that you don't do anything by stepping a toe. You don't dip a toe in the water. You dive in. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good point. I, I mean, I think yeah. if I if I was to really process that, I would say I, I dip my mind into a lot of things, meaning I think about a lot of things mm. uh, and I might even talk about a lot of things as a way to process them. Mm. But when I actually decide to make an investment, and I don't mean only uh, monetary, yeah. but also time and energy, absolutely, and, and sometimes yeah. can certainly be money as well. I'm doing it with the intent uh, to to be successful with it, and so that that's been, you know, that that's been a driver for me both in academics when I actually started to to apply myself and study, as well as personal relationships and and business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to really you know, commit to something and make it happen. Um, when I've signed up to work with different coaches or people or taking courses, if I make an investment, again, it's, it's money, it's time, it's energy, it's focus, then it's not a question of whether or not I'm going to be successful. That's, that's how my mind works. My mind is telling me 100% I'll be successful with this. And I tell myself that because I know that if I apply myself, then I will be. Right. And I think that's, again, an opportunity for everyone because I see a lot of people who will dip their toes and stuff like they'll actually, it's almost like they don't take the time to process or to commit. They'll just dip their toes and start doing things. But because they haven't truly committed to doing those things, then they look for reasons not to do them or to find excuses to not push them forward. And then they start, then they'll say things like, Oh, you know what I did didn't work or this, 
process or this person or what, you know, and then they jump to the next shiny object. So I think what you just hit on is actually, I've never looked at it from that perspective, but yeah, I, I process, I dip my mind into a lot of things rather than dipping my toe into them. Right. When, when my toes in, it's like my whole body's coming in right away. Right. Yeah. Like you were saying, you were saying earlier, um, I think also on the surface, right? If someone doesn't know you and just looks at your behavior, you know, you say like you went from the back of the class to the front of the class, or, you know, you went from sports to traveling and the arts and everything. And it looks like you went, you know, from, you know, it was like from all to nothing or nothing to all. But what you're, what I think you're saying is, you have, you do take time to process. You do take time to think it through and, and make the commitment. And so you were saying earlier, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you set your mind, don't look for excuses. You can make it happen. You can be successful. And I think that setting your mind part of the process is the time you take to process and then commit. And then from there, you're not looking for excuses and that's where you make it happen. And even when you, you say, you know, that you, you have the confidence and you believe you'll be successful, your terms of success are still your terms for success. So it's not, it's not some grand or global term of success. You know, um, when you went off to Japan and, you know, maybe had an idea or an expectation in your mind what success would look like to be in Japan, um, that didn't mean that that's exactly what would happen. You know, you you could have said, you could have defined success even afterwards. Um, and, and that could have been defined by some level of feeling satisfied with what you accomplished. Yeah, I had no idea how... Uh successful or what I would achieve by going to Japan. All I knew is that that's where I wanted to be. And I knew that good things would happen, but I didn't know how good those things would be. And I didn't know the path that they would take. Um, I think this is the other part of, I was listening to an interview the other day and the person was saying that, you know, sometimes you just need to, they use different words, much better words than I'll choose here. But essentially what they were saying was that when you don't have all the answers, like you just let let things unfold, just just kind of explore them. Yeah, um, good things happen. And so yeah. in, in my case, like when, when I knew I was going to go to Japan for a year of exchange, uh, I remember I was at my uncle's house in Toronto, and I took an hour to I sat down at the computer and I sent out fifteen or twenty emails to companies in Japan. These were graphic design and kind of architecture firms saying, "Hey." Here's who I am. I'm coming to to Osaka. I'd love to meet with you. Uh, I only got two responses, but mm-hmm. one of those responses was from a guy named Shinosuke, who I became very uh, close with, and he introduced me to somebody else, who introduced me to somebody else, who introduced me, and 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 that was how you know this this foreigner, this this outsider, was able to sit down not only at the boardroom table, but at the meal table with. Uh, presidents and, you know, chairmen and executives of, of very large global companies uh, and how I had the opportunity to consult and work with people who were in their 50s, 60s, in some cases, even 70s when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Um, it was, I didn't know exactly what happened by sending those emails, um, but 
I thought this is connected to where I want to go. So I put in the work. Same thing as like, I wanted to get a job. I didn't know exactly what would happen by, uh, you know, opening up that yellow pages, but I knew it would somehow lead to something good. And, and so I did it. And so it's, I think that's also been a theme throughout my, my life that I get clear on what I want to do. And then once I've decided that's what I want to do, then I'm going to move down that path and do everything that I can to, to make it work. That, that story is the epitome of what I hope my listeners take away from this interview is, you know, there you were, you, you, reached out to 15 people, you heard from two, and one of them turned into all these other, you know, turned into a great relationship for you. But, but, and it sounds like on a personal level, a very good relationship. And, and on a business level, you know, a very successful relationship as well. But, you know, that's the kind of thing where when you can step into something and I think also you trust yourself first and you trust that something good will come out of it and something good could look like a lot of different things, right? Like you're not even creating an expectation of what something good will be. It's almost like you told me before we turned on record, you said you like surprises, right? And so, well, who's to say what something good is? Something good could be something you didn't expect that that delights you and you don't even know it. And I think that when we allow ourselves to just tell ourselves something good will come out of this, you know, sometimes it's just something good is we learn something we didn't know that will help us down the road. Um, you could have done those 15, you know, outreaches and gotten nothing out of it. Maybe you would have had to have done 15 more, you know, but you, you, you're kind of relentless. You probably would have kept going till you found someone who responded, but I love that story. That's, that is that is exactly the kind of thing people need to do without having a lot of attachment to what might actually happen, just believing that something good will happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and I think what you said as well, Tammy, about you know, success, there is no universal or global success. I think that's a really important point because uh, you're 100% right. You know what? my definition of success might be different from yours, might be different from somebody else's. Right. And I think too often people judge uh, or try and, you know, create somebody else's success or model yeah. somebody else's success. Right. Um, and then they end up creating something that they actually don't enjoy. Uh, or e even worse, and I think even more common, is that success for many people is the destination, right? And you work hard towards getting someplace but you spend a lot more time in the journey, right? Working through it. Uh, and so it's so important to make sure that you are enjoying that, that process because what you want to do, this is just my, my observation and opinion, but that success should be your journey. Should, success should not be based on whether or not you reach your destination because what I've experienced personally is that you never reach your destination. Like every time I've said, oh yeah, we're gonna get to this level of business, and then we get even close to there. It's, I'm already thinking about the next level and the next right. level and the next level. Right. And it's, you know, that, that, these are just ways to kind of track your progress, but they're not the definition of, of success. I, I, well, you know, I'm going to let a little cat out of the bag here to my audience because I'm in the process of writing a book. And one of the chapters in my book is titled success is not a destination. And so there you go. I totally agree with you. So, so Michael, um, 
tell us about your books and tell us a little more. You told us a little bit about how, what you're doing today, you and Sam. Um, I, I love the fact that you have this cousin that you've had all these adventures with and that you've worked with all these years. It just sounds like such a special relationship um, and a six and a successful relationship. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to hear more about your, your work and um, your company and, and the books. And I know that you have a special offer for our listeners as well. So I'd love to, to hear more about that. Yeah, definitely. My pleasure. Um, so in, yeah, the, the books, uh, three books, the first one is Consulting Success uh, and same name as our company. And that's really for people who want to either get into consulting or they're a new uh, consultant and they want to know what are the, the foundations, you know, the elements, the, the principles, the, the initial kind of system to, to use to create a successful consulting business. That's who that book is geared for. Uh, then there's the elite consulting mind. Uh, and that is for any stage of consult. But what I've identified, uh, Tammy, over the last now 21 years of you know being a consultant and running con- different consulting businesses is that it's not the, actually the, the strategies or tactics that, uh, that influence our uh, or that decide our success. You can know a lot of things and have great information. But at the end of the day, it's you know, how you approach it and do you actually take action? And so what I've observed is that mindset is actually the biggest factor in whether or not you're going to be successful. And so what I did is I identified uh, 16 or so different mindsets that are most common for the consultant. Mm-hmm. And then through sharing stories with uh, our clients or in our own business or just my own personal experience, uh, breaking down stories, ideas, uh, perspectives, and and offering uh, recommendations for people to not only uh, deal with those mindset challenges, but actually overcome them so they can reach higher levels of success in their business. And in the most recent book is called, you said, Act Now, How Successful Consultants Thrive During Chaos and Uncertainty. And we wrote that. Um, it, was a, it was a team effort in terms of coming together because from concept to actually publishing was about a little over three weeks. And we did that <laughs> right in April of 2020. So, you know, the height of, of kind of COVID and and a lot of panic and a lot of uncertainty. And I saw not only amongst the community of consultants and clients, but just the marketplace in general, that a lot of people were, were scared and a lot of people didn't know what to do. Um, and so the book, I, I wanted to not only share my experiences and, and my uh, kind of plan of how to handle this, but I interviewed other thought leaders and friends, people like Rita McGrath and Jill Conrath, uh, Martin Lindstrom, Perry Marshall, um, John Warlow about, you know, how are they handling this and what advice do they have and what are they seeing with their clients? And so we put that all into a book. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a lot of people who have act, who have kind of accessed that, um, and got it. We have, it's available in Kindle and paperback and audible, but in terms of the offer that you mentioned, uh, we, we wrote this book and I put it out really just to help people. And so in the spirit of that, uh, for anyone that wants, to kind of bypass going and purchasing a copy, they can get a complete uh, digital copy free of the book uh, to help them. And uh, you can do that by going to consultingsuccess.com forward slash act now. Wonderful. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Um, You mentioned, you also just mentioned um, Perry Marshall, who will be a guest on this show um, a few few weeks from now. So um, I just, that just sparked 
a thought when you mentioned the name. Um, that's wonderful. And I have to say, there's there's something in, in the work that you're doing as a consultant um, with your clients, but also that you, you're so generous with bringing along other consultants who, you know, for someone who sort of started out in your younger years being kind of a competitor, in a way, you're bringing along all these other people who could be your competitors, and yet you embrace them, you teach them, you support them. And, and I just am appreciating the spirit of generosity that you bring to the field. Um, I, I, I just think that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I think most consultants um, are, are like that. You know, most people want to help. I, I view myself uh, as a teacher and uh, it's interesting because Many years ago, my mother said to me, you should be a teacher. And I was like, mom, I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be a business, you know, a business person. And she's like, no, you'd be a great teacher. I was like, no, no, no. Anyways, she was right because deep down that, that is really what I do is I, I, I yeah. enjoy sharing and helping. And where I get the, the greatest gratification is not by looking at, at dollar signs. It's about hearing from clients like, Hey, you know, applied you know, what we talked about last week and yeah. just find this new client or such a, you know, big change about how I'm spending now more time with my family or whatever it might be. But like having that impact is really what I, what I thrive on. Um, I think the competition is, it's really about making everyone stronger, not just yeah. one, one person yeah. stronger. So um, in most cases, you know, welcome it. Don't, uh, That's don't push great. it away. That's wonderful. So if you were to give somebody, speaking of being a teacher, if you were to give somebody a little bit of advice if they were in the process of making their own transition, whether they were moving towards being their own, being a consultant or just trying to make a transition to, let's say, a more satisfying career path, what what would you say is a key ingredient in that process? I say get clear first of all on what's most meaningful for you in your mm. life. Put all of societies or you know your parents or um, your partners or whoever it might be like. Just put their their thoughts to the, to the side for a moment and get very clear about what's going to be best for you and what do you truly want? Not now, but you know, down the road and, and what would you enjoy the journey of, not just the destination of. Once you've done that, then I would suggest that you identify people who have already been successful in that area uh, and reach out to them so that you can, you can learn from them, uh, whether that's a mentor, a coach, a friend, uh, a colleague, but somebody, because you can get some really great perspectives yeah. uh, and help to validate whether you're on the right track or not. Yeah. Uh, and then the third big thing is, is act, you know, take yeah. action, take imperfect action. Don't wait for things to be just right. Don't wait for the perfect time. Don't wait for the stars to align because uh, the reality is they most often won't. Uh, and so you, you can align all that stuff yourself. You can create the level of success that you want, but at the end of the day, it's you who are in control, not the economy, not the health situation, not, you know, the rest of the world. Yes, there's influences and things that we can't control, but the only thing that any one of us can actually control is our mind and our actions. So focus on those two things. Uh, and I believe that if you do, then not only will you have a much more rewarding, fulfilling life, not only will you enjoy the journey and the process a lot more, uh, but I really do believe that you'll also end up feeling and becoming much more successful. Yeah. And if that happens, then... That will spread across the land and everyone will be happier too. 
Yeah, happy people, <laughs> happy, happy world, right? I mean, there, there you go, right? Uh, that's what we want more of. Is we want more happy people, and yep. uh, therefore everyone contributes and supports each other right. more, and it's uh it's the right thing. That's wonderful. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. We will have all of your contact information in our show notes uh, so people can find you, whether to buy your books or take your courses or connect with you for consulting services. But uh, thank you so much for generously sharing your story today. Really appreciate it. It was so much fun to have you. My, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Ty, for having me. And for everyone, there's lots of also free resources on the website. You don't need to buy anything to start. You're welcome just to, uh, you know, absorb as much as you you would find helpful. Uh, but yeah, I've been really uh, great speaking with you, Tommy. And um, I think it's wonderful what you're doing to help others out there and uh, to spread the message. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Michael Zapersky. It was so interesting to speak with him to learn about all his professional and travel journeys. What is your key takeaway from our interview? If you are interested in any of the resources or links mentioned in today's podcast, you can find them on the blog page of my website at www.tammygoolerlobe.com. Just look for episode 102. Are you anticipating your next professional move? Do you feel a little stuck? Get specialized group and individualized support, insights, and accountability from a brilliant mix of professional women in a safe, non-judgmental creative space. Join one of my small hybrid mastermind coaching groups starting on a rolling basis. You can learn more at H https colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash navigating career change. If you were inspired by this episode with Michael, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you enjoying the podcast? I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find through my website at www.tammygoolerlobe.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the Apple Podcast button and follow the instructions provided there. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's never too late or too impossible to increase your sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in your work and other meaningful activities. Let me know how it's going for you. And who knows, maybe you'll be my next interview on this podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Work From The Inside Out podcast. For more information, you can find us at www.workfromtheinsideout.com.